Welcome to the Being Known Podcast with my friend, Dr. Desire, <laughs> a.k.a. Dr. Kurt Thompson. Oh, my gracious. Hey, my, <laughs> my friend, Pepper Sweetie. Oh, my gosh. We are here to discover <laughs> and explore what it means to be truly known. Hey, Kurt. <laughs> You know, this this, <laughs> this season, um, we have been talking about confessional communities and, you know, it just, you know, if we say we're here to discover what it means to be truly known, this is a great way to go about that discovery, uh, mm-hmm. as we've heard in this, in this season. And today we are going to be taking some of your questions that you've written in on social media to us and going to be answering those questions. But I do want to say just off the top that this is not going to be an abridged version of the season. You're not going to just tune into this episode and understand everything about confessional communities. I'm sorry. You got to do a little bit of the work. <laughs> you got to go back to episode one and listen through these episodes. They're actually very short episodes this season purposely. And we've put a lot of information in these and hopefully you are enjoying this season. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I'm we we you know we've the, the questions that we'll look at. I mean, they're they're important, and they are. I think in some respects, it's it's reflective of how, in some respects, you can talk about these confessional communities in as much depth as you want to, and I think there will still be questions that will remain unanswered until you're actually part of one. Yeah, I think yeah, that's it's, yeah. It, it's yeah. like when, when somebody asks you when they, they haven't had children yet and they ask you what it's like, it's like, I mean, you know, you, yeah. you can't, yeah. there's no way you've got to, yeah. you have to, you have to live it in order to really yeah. understand it. Um, yeah. you know, I have a, uh, I was thinking about this season myself and, you know, I, I'm hearkening back to season one when we were talking about the nine domains of integration mm. and, and I'm thinking about Dan Siegel's illustration of the the river of integration that runs down the middle of, and the one shore on the one side is chaos and the other side is rigidity. Right. And I think about your illustration of the orchestra and how all the parts need to be integrated and play together. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm wondering if you can talk about how these confessional communities manifest this idea of integration. Yeah. Yeah, well, I th- I think you know it, we we hear uh, one of the things that we do is we we frequently like to go back and be kind of pay rightful homage to the the biblical narrative out of which all this emerges in this sense. So we 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 begin with this idea that integration is showing up on the first two pages of the Bible. It's showing up right away. This sense of these differentiated, like these well differentiated parts, like each day is differentiated from the next day. But within each day, there are also differentiated parts, night and, and day, or land and sea, and so forth. And in the same way, in a confessional community, first of all, we have the obvious differentiated parts of each person who's in the room that come with their, you know, their respective stories. We have, in, in our case, in the confessional communities that we facilitate in our practice, we have the particular roles that the uh, that the therapists play. That the, in in some respects, not unlike a family, 
we play the role of mom and dad. That's the, right. were the parents in the room. And then there are the different parts of each person that are also brought into the room. So like this is where the orchestra becomes helpful in that you've got, you know, if you've got eight people in your group, you've, you've got eight sections of your orchestra. So I've got, you know, I've, I've got the sections over here of the, but I, I don't just have one flute. Like I've got several flutes and each flautist, like they, gosh, they, they've got their own particular skill sets and their, their flutes aren't the same. And there, there's, there, there's a particular, they don't sound actually technically exactly alike. And so each person is going to bring their own parts of the stories. But, but the beautiful part about this is that, you know, if I'm playing the oboe, but I'm also listening to the strings that are playing, their play at the same time that I'm playing is shaping how I'm playing. Like we are listening. Sure. I'm watching the conductor. I'm listening to them. And there is a creation that emerges that I, by myself, could not have done. Mm -hmm. And I become a better player. I become a better, you know, I become a better violinist because of what everybody else around me is doing, including the moments when my neighbor that's sitting right next to me, I hear or they hear me, like we might miss a note here or there. We might. And so we, we bring this, we, we bring all, of the parts of us that feel chaotic and the parts of us that feel rigid and we bring them into this space and we are, and, and we do have to do the work of saying, Oh, there, there is this, uh, this bank of the river over here. This, this, this is a part of my life that is feeling chaotic at the moment. And this space becomes a space in which without condemnation, we're saying, well, wait a minute, let's, let's pause for a second. Can you, can you play those two measures for us? that you're having so much trouble with, where you get to them and you're just like all over the map. Like, can you, but I don't, like, can I go home and, wait, can I go home and practice these by myself so I don't have to be embarrassed? No, 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 no. I want you to learn that we are with you in this. We're not over here rolling our eyes thinking like, why can't you get those two measures straight? Yeah. No. We uh, want you to become the best oboist that you can be because when you become that, like, like you help me become better at what I do. And you do this by revealing your vulnerability and the vulnerability that you reveal is like, you know, I don't play every note perfectly. In fact, I, there are whole sections of this concerto that I'm, it just feels like, like why am I even here on the stage? And so I, I think in many respects, this is when, when we bring all the things that we sense and image and feel and think, all the stories that we tell, but we're doing this all within the context, like we have a conductor that's in, that, that, whose job it is to bring all this together. And in, in our case, we're saying that the, ultimately the conductor is the, is the movement of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We're trusting that the Spirit is in the middle of this, bringing all this together. You know, you talk about these confessional communities as practicing being human. Yeah, becoming I, a professional human being. Becoming a professional human being. And I just have this image yeah. of, of them being like orchestra practice. Yeah. You know, practicing yeah. being yeah. integrated in an orchestra, in the orchestra. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Right. And, and it is both, it is both the most supportive, effective way. Like, so you do Orange Theory. Yes. And when you go and do Orange Theory, like you, you, I, I, now I've never done that, but mm -hmm. I'm presuming that there are other people that are there. Oh yeah. It's uh room full of people. We have a leader who's basically telling us what to do. 
and also giving us feedback. And we're all going at our own personal paces. We're doing our own personal best. You know, everybody's at different levels and fitness and, and, you know, it's, uh, to me, and I'm, as I was mentioning to you and Amy earlier today, I haven't been able to do it for a couple of weeks because I'm having some health issues, uh, not health issues, I'm having some back issues, <clears throat> getting them straightened out so I can get back, but I've missed it so much. And not just because of the physical fitness of it and the endorphins that I get from it and, you know, and all that, but also it's one of the only parts of my day where I'm around a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. it just is because of the nature of my work. So, yeah. 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 So I'm imagining, okay. So what would it be like if you, you know, if, you know, you, your orange theory is just, you know, you're at your house and you have the machines and you're like looking at a screen and you're just doing it by yourself. Or if you were to go to the orange theory gym and it's just you. No. Yeah. No, no. no. I mean, we were made for each other. And, uh, and we live in a world that, again, as we've, as we've often said, we live in a world that actively is training us as in that, oh my gosh, like the opening chapter of the great divorce where Lewis, you know, describes hell as being this place where people are building their homes further and further and further away from each other. Yeah. And we, we have a world that is, that is training us to do that very thing. All the while talking about the importance of connection and 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 and, and the illusion of that social media is going to really do this, and you know that's not to that's not to uh, minimize you know connections that have been made, but it certainly has not made us better people. It has certainly over time only fed our felt sense of disconnection. And when we enter into these confessional communities, like it's live action, baby. It is live action. It is in the room. It is here and now. This is not, you know, this is not pretend. And this is not like uh, imaginary relationships. It's as real as it gets. Yeah. 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 You know, Kurt, as we look at confessional communities... I want to share with you our Being Known podcast community, something recently brought to my attention. Did you know that the world is facing a devastating global food crisis? Many factors have caused this, including the war in Ukraine, inflation, fertilizer shortages, the effect of COVID-19, and extreme weather, right? These things have all kind of collided to create this global food crisis. And as food prices climb, Hunger and malnutrition in vulnerable children intensifies. And so when we learned about this crisis, we thought, what can we do about it? This is why we sought out a partnership with Compassion International. Phyllis and I have supported Compassion International for years, and we know firsthand the amazing work that they do. One of the unique things about Compassion is that they work with local churches located where the need is most urgent. This is church-driven, child-focused, Christ-centered work. And this is where we all come in. Now, here's what we're asking you to do. A one-time donation of $50. You're not going to believe what Compassion International can do with this $50. They feed a family of five for a full month Wow! with that $50 donation. Wow. Now, we get to be a part of this work, right? Compassion International empowers people from their own community to help. This is locally sourced food delivered neighbor to neighbor. And, you know, I love this because when help does arrive, it arrives with a familiar face at the door. 
And we certainly hope this helps the families and children feel seen, soothed, safe, and secure in addition to feeding them. Hmm. These interventions help families return to normal so children can experience healthy development and thrive in their God-given potential. We really need your help here. So go to Compassion.com forward slash known. That's C-O-M-P-A-S-S-I-O-N dot com forward slash known. Make a $50 donation and feed a family of five for a month. We'll have a link in the show notes as well. Please join us. Some of the questions that we that we had received this week are a little more of maybe even a tactical nature. So here's a question saying, is it possible to have a confessional community in a church setting or with a group who is doing life together? Sharing personal stories that may involve people, others in the group that they know also because they're doing life together outside of the group, I think is the question here. Um, she says that she, or he or she says that they've personally seen this happen, but they'd love to hear your take on it. Well, you know, I think this addresses, I think, one one question that sometimes comes up, and that is that, like, well, come on, Kurt, like, it, it, the, the, the things that you're talking about that you do in your practice, I mean, they're in a practice, it's a psychotherapy setting. It's not like real life, because, like, you know, that's not how we do real life. We do, you know, we're in the church. How can we do that in the church? How can we be confidential like that? We have all these rules, you know, in the psychotherapy session. And uh, to which my response typically is, well, as it turns out, uh, everything that we do in the psychotherapy session, in these confessional communities, in the practice, we're doing the same thing in the real world. It's just that here we're actually being explicit and naming what is actually happening between us. And what we're doing in the confessional community is we are putting ourselves in a position in which we have to take this inter- these interactions very seriously. Like, you know, the confidentiality, like you just don't go talking about this stuff. We don't have interactions with each other outside. And, and, and what does that, like, why is, and, and, and at first glance, you're like, well, gosh, like we can't have dinner together. We can't, like two of us can't go off and do this together and do that. So for, like, I, 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 I get that. But what that means is that what's happening in these communities is that you are distilling the essence of the of of the best and hardest work that we as human beings can do. And so to answer the question, yes. Pardon me, you could do these things in a church. And if you and and like you could say like we're going to have this conversation and we're going to be confidential about it. That's how much I value you. Remember, confidential comes from the word what? Confidence. I'm keeping you in my confidence. What does that mean? Well, I'm not just confident in your being able to hold what I've shared with you. It also means that because of that, I have complete confidence in putting everything of who I am on the table. I, you create confidence within me to put my whole self here. But we come into church and the vast majority of the work that we do there is spent hiding from everybody else in the room. While we worship, while we pray, while we preach, while we listen to preaches, pre- preaching, like all the things that we do. But our behavior, our actual behavior in its depth never makes it into the room. Like our souls have a hard time making it into the room. Oh, we bring our souls privately into the room. So there's 300 or 3,000 of me sitting in the chair listening to the person preach. 
and I go home and eat potato salad for lunch. But what's happening in the room that's actually forming me in my depth? Now, this, this is not to suggest that what we are doing is useless or without help or or or, or, or not helpful. We're, we're, we're not, I'm not. I'm not saying like many many things that we do are helpful. I'm simply saying that yes, we could do these things, but it feels risky. And why? Because we would have to take relationships seriously, perhaps in ways that we never have. We would have to be serious about not speaking, like not gossiping, not telling things to other people about the things that took place in this circle of conversation and be okay with that and trust that this is what God's doing. And now we've got like, you know, 30 of these kinds of groups in our church and not, no, no, not everybody gets to know what everybody else's business is because this is the work of the spirit in these small communities. And we can come up with all kinds of things that we would be afraid of that are going to happen. Like what happens when you start to talk about sex between two people, a male and a female, who are not married to each other? And they have these things that are, that are emerging, like they're attracted to each other. Yeah, what about it? You think that's not happening in the pew on Sunday morning? It's just that here, we're going to name this, and we're going to name what's underneath that and what's underneath that. And what we're going to get to is like we each have this deep longing to be seen, soothed, safe, secure, I long to be held because what, Oh, what part of that is me? Oh, that's the four-year-old in me that is still waiting for my mom to show up. But because I never have a conversation that takes me seriously enough, nor do I take me seriously enough, I never get to that. Instead, I'm just burning tons of energy trying to keep that part of me at bay. And I'm just going to white knuckle it and work really hard not to look at porn and not to lust about anybody else who's in the congregation. And that's about as good as it gets for me. And to which we would want to say, you read the New Testament? Paul, Peter, James, John, the gospel writers, they all have a very different idea about what Jesus has in store for us. This life of practicing for heaven is not about white knuckling until Jesus comes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I, the first... My first sort of exposure to a, uh, I, I put quotes around this confessional community because we weren't calling it that necessarily, but was back in a, in a church in California. And um, I think one of the issues was one of the, it was, there was so much great about it and there was so much sharing going on and everything, but I don't think that there was a safety guidelines put in at all. There were no, mm -hmm. you know, so, so particular, one particular time for me, like I realized that some things that I had shared went out on the prayer chain, right? They went out on mm -hmm. the, you know, uh, suddenly, you know, other people were talking about things that I had thought I shared in confidence. Mm -hmm. And I think even me at that time was not probably mature enough to go right to the person and say, Hey, you know, what, what, you know, let's talk about what mm -hmm. happened. All right. Instead I got, I got, mm -hmm. I was hurt and, mm -hmm. and, and kind of pushed away for a little bit. It took a while for me to, um, to get back into a community like that because there were some things that were shared that, you know, should never have been. But I do think mm -hmm. that that goes back to the importance of having some parameters in place before we, we start one of these. Right. There's, there's no question that, that we do. And again, I think, so let's just, let's just take that for instance, let's just, just from a formational standpoint, uh, somebody shares something and it goes out on a prayer chain and you wonder like, why is that? Why do they not first ask someone, hey, would you mind if I 
share this with people? Now, I get it. My impulse is like, oh, yeah, I want to share this with people because somehow if, if we, you know, cast a wide net of people who are praying that this is, we, we in our imaginations think, oh, that, like there's going to be more people talking to God and somehow like the odds increase of God hearing it more effective. Like it's going to be, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is kind of how we operate. Right. And I want to suggest like, first of all, I don't know that that's actually true, that that, you know, that God is like more attentive if you get 3,000 people praying than if you get just 30 people praying. I'm like, you know, if you, if, if, if you, if you look at, uh, oh my gosh, who's the judge who like, he, he, like he had 300 guys and he whittled them down to like, just, just a bunch of men, right. The, the, in, in the old Testament where, oh, we're no, God doesn't actually need. Right. But there is this sense that we just kind of like have this automaticity, you know, in which we do this because we're not, we're not actually yet first being curious about oh, what's happening in the room between you and me as you just share this. What would that, what would that be like? Yeah. Which means I'm actually, when that, ha- when that kind of thing happens and I just go, I just said, we're going to, we're going to pray for all this. Now, again, this is not to suggest that people, we should not be sending things out on prayer chain. It's not, it's not about that. It is about our becoming increasingly curious about what's happening in the room right now. And if I'm curious about you when you share this, there's going to be a lot more that I'm going to want to know to make sure that you know that I want you to be seen, soothed, safe, secure, like that, I, that you can trust me to protect you. Yeah. And if I'm quickly sharing this with somebody else, it means I've pretty quickly moved on from you to something else. Like I'm not actually as in the room. Right. Which tells us something, first of all, the first thing it says, it, it, it's not, that, that that doesn't just say, oh, I don't really care that much about Pepper. It also really kind of pulls the curtain back on my awareness of like the role that I actually believe I play. The fact that I'm more quickly willing to like send this down the prayer chain than for me to see, be with you, like is a bit of a sense of like, oh, I don't actually sense that I carry much weight. And that I, in asking you, what would you like for me to do with this? I don't have the sense that like I matter such that my curiosity is going to play a role for you. And this is the way, what we've said so often, right? We can't give what we don't have. And our biggest problem as human beings is not that we don't love well. That's obvious. But our biggest problem is that we are not able to be receptive to love. And if I'm not receptive to love, it means I got all kinds of parts of me that are internal that like haven't yet like heard the news. And if they haven't heard the news, I'm just going to end up spending a lot of time, effort, and energy managing all that stuff and kind of living automatically without being very mindful that like, oh my gosh, like my presence with you in this moment right now, dude, like it's the only moment I have. Yeah. Like 30 seconds from now, I could be dead. Am I willing to believe that God so loves us that right now is live action that needs to be attuned to? I'm sorry. I'm I'm just kind of going off. No, that's great. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. um, And, and, you know, later as I've incorporated more of that kind of thing into those, those groups, it it changes everything, but you're, you're totally right. Okay. So I have a question here from a therapist. Uh, I'm very intrigued and interested in a confessional community. How does it work for professionals to be involved in these communities when taking things like ethics, confidentiality, and dual relationships into consideration? This is a great question. We could probably have a 30-minute conversation about this because it covers lots of really important ground. 
the first thing that it, it uh, we you know we we provide these trainings for confessional communities communities through the Center for Being Known and through our practice, New Story Behavioral Health, which we'll come back to in just a moment. And many of these trainings and many of these groups that are forming through the Center for Being Known include people who are therapists, who are in groups with other people who are not therapists, of course. And they walk through the storytelling liturgy. They walk through, and they they do this for about six months and, and so forth. And we make it plain that those groups that CBK is training, like these are not psychotherapy groups. And what we're really doing is we're really trying to practice telling our stories more truly. And so, of course, the ethics of like, well, what people choose to say and don't choose to say is different in those settings than they would be if they're talking to a therapist in a designated professional setting. But it is no different in terms of it raising the stakes, as we were just talking about in addressing the previous question. It raises the stakes of like, even if it's not a professional setting, it being in this group really does place a demand on me to take someone else so seriously that I'm I'm going to, I'm going to care for their story so tenderly that I'm not going to talk about this with anybody else because this it's not just that I have a relationship with you is that this community has a relationship that is particular to this community and so I don't just have a relationship with you in the community like there's a community, but you and I, like, it's not separate from the community. And so I don't do anything, if, if I were to divulge something from, of your story, like, I'm not just hurting you. I'm hurting the entire process. I'm hurting everybody in the group, including myself. And so these are things that a therapist rightly would be curious about and want to know about. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, in the trainings that we provide, both for CBK and in the intensives that we run at New Story Behavioral Health, we cover a lot of these questions in greater detail. We don't have time to go into all that. But I think it is fair to say that what we've seen so far, especially with CBK, where it is not professionally driven, as it were, that uh, people are finding that they're able to do this work really effectively with a fairly reasonable dose of common sense and with some with the, the, the guidelines that we provide during the training. And I think... Specific to that, I, I want to say, and I, and I realize I, I haven't, you know, I haven't given the answer to this question. I haven't given every jot and tittle answer. Well, here are the ethics and here's how you roll them out and so forth. I mean, we don't have time to go into all that. But I would say that, like, we do provide space where we talk about those kinds of things in these trainings. I made a mistake in, I think, the first or second uh, episode. I made a mistake here. once, too. Uh, it was like, I think it was 19, 1974. It was something really minor. Yeah, but weren't was, you born? Weren't you born in super minor, But it was my mistake. So go ahead, share us your mistake. What did you do? Yeah, yeah. Well, now I can't really remember. So maybe new I did. New story behavioral health. I uh, yeah right. So new story behavioral health is providing intensives, which are two and a half day trainings. And I mentioned, I think in the first or second episode, that in December we have an intensive that's coming up therapists. I mentioned that. It's not for therapists. The one in December is for anyone who wants to be part of this intensive. In March of 2024 is the, that's, that's the plan that we have. It's going to be the first one that we have for 
professionals in particular. Now, right now we're thinking it's going to be therapists, but we're, we're toying with the idea of maybe perhaps including some others in helping professions. Um, but it's going to be for like maybe even for pastors who are wanting to use this model for their, you know, for, for their small groups. That's going to be in March. It's not, you know, the one, yeah, and we already have people that are signing up for that in March for therapists. So by all means, if you're a therapist and you're looking for this kind of training, it's going to be in March. It's probably going to be three days, if not more, not just two and a half. And the one in December is uh, one we're doing for anyone else who qualifies. But you can contact New Story Behavioral Health, and you'll end up having a screening conversation with Courtney Morrison, our clinical director. Is there a website? There is there a website that they that? can go to that you? Or I? Yeah, it's New Story Behavioral Health. And it's newstorybh.com, I think, and you'll you'll go and you'll see events and you click on that drop down box and it'll take you right to it. You can you can register and then yeah, you know, there there's an application and then you'll have a screening conversation uh, with Courtney. But the one in again, the one in December is for all comers and the one in March is gonna be specifically for therapists. And it's gonna it's gonna have it's gonna be taking on a different more in depth. That's time. great. You, you you mentioned uh, CBK there, and for those of you who who might not know what that is, maybe that's a nascent ac- nascent group of lettering for you. CBK is the Center for Being Known, and uh, one of the exciting things about the Center for Being Known, uh, along with all the other things that they do, is they this October October twenty seventh is the Connections Conference, and mm-hmm. the day before that, October twenty sixth. Kurt and Amy and I will be doing a live podcast. So we want you to come come for that and then stay for the Connections conference the next day, which is an all-day conference, beautiful conference. And to find out information on this, go to thecbk.org. When you get there, the, up the top tabs, there'll be one that says uh, Connections conference. Just click on that mm-hmm. and that'll take you to, so you can register for both the podcast and the conference the following day. And Kurt's got a, a great group of speakers that are going to be joining us. Um, we've been doing a lot of planning leading up to this. And so we're very excited for us to all be in the room where it happens. Don't miss it. You'll be sorry if you do. And um, you'll be sorry because. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it will, will I, I won't be sorry if you're no. sorry because. Right. <laughs> right. And I do want to mention, you know, um, yeah. I do want to mention that uh, we have, Kurt has his next book coming out, The Deepest Place. It's a a gorgeous book, Suffering and the Formation of Hope. Beautiful book that we want to get in your hands as soon as possible. You can pre-order it now, right now, today. If you pre-order it, you will get the first chapter right away so so that you can read that. And you will also receive... We did a, a podcast on, I believe it's the fourth chapter of the book, on glory. So uh, Kurt had the opportunity to, to share about that, some insights about that particular chapter, and that'll be available to you if you pre-order the book as well. Is there a specific place or just anywhere where they get their books that you would like them to go? Well, that, I think one place you can, yeah, you can go to Amazon. You can you can get it through my website. So KurtThompsonMD.com, yep. you'll get the opportunity to go right from right from the website there, Amazon or through Zondervan. You can go those three different or where other where, wherever other books are sold, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. We are, yeah. you know, this is the end of this season seven on Confessional Communities. We certainly hope that you found it helpful. I want to 
give a special thank you to Compassion International, who has come on board with mm-hmm. us this season, but also to all of you who have given to this great organization. You know, um, as you heard in the mid-show ad there about Compassion International, they're, they're doing a program where $50 can feed a family of five for a month. And uh, it's just incredible and so excited to get to be a part of that. I want to thank Kara, Mark, Keaton, and Jenny, all people who are sort of behind the scenes here that are working hard and helping us produce this podcast. And um, I would like to announce that season eight is coming. And uh, season eight is going to be the path of oncoming beauty. We are all going to be putting ourselves Mm. in the path of oncoming beauty. Mm. And I am, I mean, Mm. you know, I'm excited about every season, but I'm really excited about this Mm. season. I think you're going to find it unique and helpful. And we're going to be digging into that here really soon. Yeah. And I I think, you know, there's, there's so many different, we cover a, a, a wide range of, of topics here. And, you know, one of them, we, we, often, we often talk about that. What does it mean for us to put ourselves in the path of oncoming beauty and discovering and creating and curating that and so forth? But this will be the first time that we're actually kind of pausing and drilling deeply into that particular practice and, you know, really coming to the podcast with different forms of artistic expressions and so forth and beauty that we really want to invite people to consider because it is easy for us to imagine, oh, that notion that I myself am an icon of beauty that God is creating. Oh, that's right. And then I go back, I go off on my day. And by the end of the day, I'm like, I don't really, like beauty is not really how I would describe how this day went. I have other words, some of which my Quaker grandmother would not want me to use to describe my day. And I think practicing, immersing ourselves in this will be just, it's just really The very first conversation that you and I had about this podcast, about, you know, once Amy put this whole thing together, we had a conversation and that whole conversation was about beauty. And I was like, why aren't we recording this right now? Like, this is, this is gold. So I'm, I'm really excited about, um, about diving into that. So those of you who are watching on YouTube, and if you aren't watching on YouTube, I suggest that you go over there right now, because we're going to bring Amy on board and we're going to talk a little bit about how confessional communities have impacted some of us here. Thank you very much, Kurt. It's a great season. Love you, buddy. All right, dude. Great to be with you. Thanks. This podcast is produced by Kurt Thompson, Pepper Sweeney, and myself, Amy Chella. Audio production and editing is by Keaton Simons. Video production and editing is by Mark Gould. Speaking of videos, each week we post the video version of every episode. To our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube by going to youtube.com or your app and searching Being Known Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on social media at Being Known Pod. If you like this podcast, tell a friend. Tell all of your friends. And please like, rate, and review. Be well, be known.